Welcome to the Truth Hurts Program. I'm Steve Z. Let's get right to it. Good morning, everybody. It is Thursday. It is April 15th, 2021, and you are listening to the Truth Hurts Program with Steve Z. April 15th, usually the day each year on our calendar that is the most dreaded by a large percentage of Americans, for it is usually Income Tax Day. Today is generally, the 15th of April that is, the deadline for filing your federal income taxes. But because of the Wuhan, China novel coronavirus of 2019, that it carried on through 2020 and now well into 2021, the April 15th tax deadline has been pushed back to June 15th. That's right, two more months for people to file their taxes. I've already filed mine and looks like I'll be getting a nice little refund for the first time in about 15 years, actually. Yes, folks, today is not the dreaded day that it usually is for income taxes, and many people are sticking their tongue out right now saying neener, neener to the government because they get two extra months to file. Of course, if you owe money to the federal government and you know you will owe money to the federal government, you're supposed to be obligated to go ahead and pay it now, even though there's a filing deadline. Okay, enough about taxes. Let's talk about Lion Joe Biden. Despite his campaign promises last year to reverse course on Donald Trump's border wall, President Gropey Joe Biden has seized a Texas family's land in service of completing Donald Trump's barrier along the U.S.-Mexico border. Immigration advocates in the Lone Star State and beyond have denounced the move and are now saying lying Joe Biden. Eight months after Biden ruled out any such action in an interview on National Public Radio, the Gropey Joe administration went ahead and seized land owned by the Cavazos family. Candidate Joe Biden told NPR's Lula Garcia Navarro on August 5th, 2020, the following, quote, There will not be another foot of wall constructed in my administration, unquote, emphasizing that the Biden administration would be focused on border protection using what he called high-tech capacity to deal with it. What about land confiscations, the reporter asked. End it, Biden said, demonstratively, over. And over again, he said, end it, end, end, stop, done, over, not going to do it, withdraw the lawsuits, we're out, we're not going to confiscate the land, unquote. Those were Gropey Joe's lying words. Of course, a few weeks later, while Donald Trump was still in office, on August 27, 2020, the Trump administration filed a lawsuit aimed at condemning 6,584 acres of the Cavazos family's land in Hidalgo County, Texas. The Trump administration wanted that land for a border wall to protect the citizens of the United States of America from illegal alien invasion. Now, this was not just a Donald Trump issue. 
The Cavazos family has been fighting against government schemes to take their land for decades. They opposed a George W. Bush effort to segment their property by organizing community members, refusing government agents access to their ancestral land and through the court system. The Cavazos family won a compromise and the government ended up building a proposed section of border wall over a flood levy instead of right there on the Cavazos family's land. When the Trump administration came to power, the Cavazos family had to start the fight all over again over a different piece of land. The government first made their plans known way back in 2018. They wanted to segment 77 acres, more or less, to build a wall. The Cavazos family used legal wrangling to say that it would destroy the family's livelihood because renters would no longer find the wall-scarred property worthwhile or accessible, and a small herd of cattle might lose access to water. The court fights have continued for years. In late January of this year, 2021, right after the Joe Biden administration took over, that very same gropey Joe Biden administration took over the legal wranglings, all of the cases. The government wants the land condemned under the Joe Biden administration. Cavazos and their attorneys hoped the 46th president would stand by his August 2020 words and stop fighting in court for the border wall. But Biden did not do that. The lawsuits have not been withdrawn. The financial strain on the family continues, and the case continues as well. On April 12th of this year, U.S. District Judge Michaela Alvarez granted the government, quote, immediate possession of all 6,584 acres of the land owned by the Cavazos family. They cited the needs of the government's urgency of possession, the district court held that the Biden administration is, quote, entitled to immediate possession of the subject property, unquote. Alvarez wrote, accordingly, the court grants the United States motion and orders all people or entities in possession or control of the subject property to surrender possession or control of said property to the extent of the estate being condemned to the United States immediately. April 14th, Tuesday, this week, yesterday, the Biden administration took physical control of the 6,584 acres from the Cavazos family. A direct lie, a direct contradiction of what he said during the campaign, proving the difference between campaigning Biden and lying President Biden. Texas Civil Rights Project, representing the family and others similarly situated in court, made a statement on Twitter saying, We are outraged. This outcome was avoidable had the administration simply dismissed the case outright. DOJ must immediately reverse course and return all seized lands to the communities from where they came. It is false that gropey Joe Biden has stopped the border wall. The fight against the wall in Texas is not over. 140 lawsuits are still active. The Cavazos are just one of them. Now the family is at the mercy of a government that continues the Trump, now Biden, border wall. Legal experts say the Gropey Joe administration is in no way bound by his predecessor's efforts to construct a wall in cases such as the Cavazos. It is mid-April. 
And Aaron Reichlin Melnick, policy counsel at the American Immigration Council, noted on Twitter, I don't care that Merrick Garland wasn't confirmed until recently. All pending border wall cases should have immediately been put on hold and not left open for judges to follow through on requests made months earlier. And of course, the Biden administration and the DOJ under Gropey Joe have not responded to comment requests. Lion Joe Biden. Steve Zee and the Truth Hurts Program. Oftentimes I refer to this program as the double standard because that's what I should have named it. The double standard continues and this time there is a vast difference in what is happening with charging police officers for murder or manslaughter. You might recall that just this week an officer was charged with manslaughter in the death of a criminal named Dante Wright, a criminal with an active arrest warrant who chose again to try and escape and wriggle free and flee the police and fail to follow lawful instructions of a police officer. You might recall that Officer Kim Potter, a 26-year veteran with the police department in Minnesota, accidentally discharged a bullet instead of a taser into the chest of a fleeing criminal suspect. She is being charged with manslaughter. She will have all of her possessions, her home, her car, her life savings, and her pension put on the line to pay the family should she be found guilty. Meanwhile, on the other end of America, over in Washington, D.C., the Capitol Police officer who murdered in cold blood 35-year-old Ashley Babbitt, a white woman, during the January 6th Capitol breach, will not face any criminal charges. This according to the U.S. Justice Department. In a press release, the Justice Department stated, officials examined video footage posted on social media, statements from the officer involved, and other officers and witnesses to the events as well as physical evidence from the scene of the shooting and the results of an autopsy. Based on that investigation, officials determined there is insufficient evidence to support a criminal prosecution. You might recall that Ashley Babbitt, a veteran Air Force officer, was part of a group of supporters of former President Donald Trump and a peaceful, unarmed protester who entered the Capitol building after many people were just ushered in by those same cowardly Capitol cops. She was part of a group that attempted, allegedly, to gain access to the Speaker's lobby right outside the House chamber while police were attempting to evacuate the very few lawmakers who were inside, this according to the DOJ. Police barricaded the doors to the lobby with furniture and other objects while members of the group attempted to break glass on several doors. Babbitt allegedly began to climb through the broken glass of one of the doors, at which time an officer fired his weapon, striking Babbitt once in the shoulder, according to officials. In the shoulder? In the shoulder? And that killed her? Oh, come now. Can't you make up a better story than that, Department of Justice? 
The DOJ said the investigation revealed no evidence to establish that at the time the officer fired a single shot at Miss Babbitt, the officers did not reasonably believe that it was necessary to do so in self-defense or defense of the members of Congress and others evacuating the House chamber. I'm going to stop for just a moment. If she was climbing through a section of broken glass and her hands were quite visible as she grabbed both sides of the door. Would it not be very obvious to a trained law enforcement professional that she was not carrying a weapon? She was completely unarmed. Hell, she wasn't even holding a cell phone that might have been mistaken for a gun. She was unarmed and she was murdered in cold blood by a cowardly Capitol Police officer double standard much? It took less than one hour for the mainstream leftist slimeball racist baiting organizations in our news media to identify Kim Potter, the 26-year-old veteran who shot the criminal Dante Wright. But here we are, 99 days since January 6th. Almost 100 days have passed since the Capitol breach, and we still do not have the name of the African-American police lieutenant, the cowardly Capitol cop who murdered Ashley Babbitt in cold blood. They say they're holding his name back for the officer's safety. I guess they cover the asses of their own. There's an article complete with photographs published by Taylor Hansen in the gatewaypundit.com, dated February 25th, 2021. And it pretty quickly gets right to the point and shows photographs of the African-American Capitol Police Lieutenant in a nice suit with a colorful tie and his black face mask over his face. The police lieutenant's name is being withheld from Ashley Babbitt's attorneys and it is 99 days since she was murdered in cold blood. The article shows a picture of this lieutenant in his left hand carrying some papers and a handgun in his right hand. No badge, just a little ID like a, like a PIV card hanging from his waist. No badge. It says... The caption, before killing Ashley Babbitt, the officer is seen aiming his firearm at fellow colleagues. You can see the officer disregards nearly every basic firearm safety rule in the book. His finger is wrapped around the trigger while his firearm is aimed in the direction of colleagues. Notice the officers, the other officers, are properly handling their firearm. They don't have their fingers wrapped around the trigger. This officer can be seen wearing what seems to be the identical handkerchief, tie, and insignia identifying him to members of Congress as part of the undercover police detail. There's also a picture with this unnamed cowardly police lieutenant holding his gun and Antifa organizer John Sullivan in the same picture. Imagine that. The officer, according to his account, could not see the three officers outside and did not know they were there. 
He only described seeing a hallway full of oncoming people. He didn't see three officers? Hmm. According to this lieutenant's account, he did not know who among the rioters, if anyone, was armed. Nor could he see how far down the hall the crowd extended. He claims to also have been unaware, those briefed on his account said, that a tactical team from the Capitol Police was climbing the stairwell behind Ashley Babbitt, intending to reinforce the area and clear out rioters. He was panicked. He was a cowardly, panicked cop. And in a feeble attempt to cover his cowardly ass, he told investigators that he heard reports that pipe bombs had been found elsewhere in the area and worried that the rioters might be carrying explosives. And Babbitt was wearing a backpack, which compounded his fears. He said he believed his own life was in danger. It's not clear why he decided to stand his ground rather than retreat and seek out reinforcements. Well-armed Secret Service agents were standing guard in the nearby house chamber. The officer says he could not see down the hall, could not see whether or not anyone was armed. Hmm. Not only is this double standard being applied to shield a black officer from murdering a white unarmed woman in cold blood, they're flipping the script and charging a white officer with killing a black criminal just a couple of short days after the accidental shooting occurred. Double standard? You betcha. Steve Z and the Truth Hurts Program. And you gotta love the continued lies of gropey Joe Biden. He is now trying to take credit for ending the quote, forever war, unquote. Donald Trump had already set plans into motion to withdraw troops from Afghanistan May of this year, in just two short months. Those plans were already in place. But guess what? The media would have you believe Donald Trump wanted that war to last for the next thousand years. Gropey Joe Biden wants it to end as well. And he's pushed the date back, not forward. He's pushed the date back to September 11th, 2021. Oh, that's wonderful, Gropey Joe. Great optics. You're going to pull out on September 11th, 2021 and give the Taliban and ISIS something to cheer about on the anniversary of the worst terrorist attack on U.S. soil in our country's history? Donald Trump wanted to do it this May. He wanted to get it over with in May of 2021. But you, you want to be able to stand there and shake your feeble fist and say, we won and we're pulling out on September 11th, 2021. Yeah. You cowardly bastard, you. And you're going to have the media slobbering all over you as if you set this into motion. The removal of troops from Afghanistan has been set into motion for over two years. And that was set into motion by your predecessor, Donald J. Trump, Mr. Biden. Yes, it is long overdue for us to pull out of that war-torn nation. Far too many lives have been given. Far too many. When Donald Trump eliminated ISIS terrorist leaders, you clowns on the left called Donald Trump a murderer. He was doing the police work 
that his duty of office requires. You just want a stage show. You want some more political theater. You, Gropey Joe, are a coward. Grandstanding for the press. Steve Z and the Truth Hurts Program. A father of a child in Canada has been arrested and jailed for misgendering his 14-year-old daughter by referring to her as his daughter and insulting her with pronouns she and her. Robert Hoogland is the father of a 14-year-old biological female. That means she was born with a vagina and had her body naturally developed according to the laws of nature, she would have developed boobs and her vagina would have started a menstrual cycle at some point and she would be a woman. But no, no, no. Because of the weird laws in Canada, as well as some pretty similar weird laws in some of our states of the USA, this man has been found in contempt of court and has been jailed after repeatedly calling his child his daughter. The court has forbid him to call the daughter daughter and she and her. Any reference to the daughter being a female by this father is considered contempt of court. The Attorney General of British Columbia issued a warrant for his arrest and he has been taken to jail. Hoagland is opposed to his teenage daughter going through a transgender-related medical procedure. His daughter is 14. He has repeatedly expressed his opposition in the hopes of saving his child from irreversible damages. He just wants what is actually best for his little girl. But the child's mother, the legal system, and the Canadian medical system have gone forward with the, quote, social and medical transition of Hoagland's daughter, unquote. In December of last year, Hoagland was mandated by the British Columbia Supreme Court Justice Francesca Marzari to cooperate in the, quote, transitioning, unquote, of his daughter's sex and was ordered to never refer to her as female again. There's a Canadian psychology professor by the name of Dr. Jordan B. Peterson. He said, this could never happen, said those who called my stance against Bill C-16 alarmist. I read the law and saw that it was, to the contrary, inevitable. Mr. Hoagland had previously discovered that his daughter's school had been showing her sexual and gender identity education materials known as SOGI123, transgender propaganda videos. By the seventh grade, the school had changed his daughter's name in the yearbook without telling her parents, and they socially transitioned her with the input of gender ideologue psychologist Wallace Wong without the parents' consent to begin taking testosterone treatments. Without the parents' consent, a psychologist, a gender ideologue named Wallace Wong 
advised the prepubescent child to begin taking testosterone. Wong then referred Hoagland's daughter to the endocrinology unit at a local hospital and that a treatment plan was put into action on her very first visit. Hoagland said in an interview last year when his daughter was 13, take a listen to this piece. It is a video showing Robert Hoagland with his then beautiful little eight-year-old daughter taken on January 13th, 2012. Here I am sitting there as a parent watching a perfectly healthy child be destroyed. And there's nothing I can do but sit on the sideline and according to Justice Bowden at the time, cheer it on. I can only affirm or get thrown in jail. To make matters worse, the father and mother both disagreed, but the mother finally consented because she didn't want to go to jail. The courts ordered that this child be put through a gender re-identification process and be injected with a continuous regimen of testosterone, which you all know destroys the female reproductive organs. The father was worried about much, much more than just his daughter transitioning. He was worried about her health. This will not change her DNA. She will not become a boy. It can lead to increased heart disease and, and, and other risks of that nature, different types of cancers. Because they're going to be stopping her puberty, her bone density will, will stop right where it is. And I kept saying, no, this is not going to happen. I'm not consenting. And, and even in the Mazzari ruling, I mean, it, it said that I, I could only think thoughts that were contrary to what the Bowden ruling was. The court was gracious enough to say that they could not police my thoughts, essentially, but everything else they could. Now creating a delusion, and then you're forcing parents like myself to have to live in this delusion. And then what happens when the bubble explodes and the delusion ends? She can, she can never go back to being a girl. I mean, she'll always be a girl, but she can never go back to being a girl in a healthy body that she should have had. Right? She's going to forever have a lower voice. She'll forever have to shave because of facial hair. She won't be able to have children. She won't have a family. These kids don't recognize don't even understand what this stuff means. What kid who's 13 is thinking about a family and having children? Not many. You know, what kind of father would I be if, let's say in, in five, 10 years, my daughter is detransitioning and she turns to me and says, you know, dad or mom, like why did you, none of you do anything to stop this? I was a child, like none of you stuck your neck out for me back then. You just let me do it because I was an immature kid thinking this was something great. Where were you on that one? When my daughter asked me that question, I'll say, you know, I did everything that I possibly could. There was nothing more I could do. And then when there was nothing more I could do, I continued on because I didn't want other parents to go through what I went through. And the worst part about it is, he was not just jailed for being in contempt of court, but for what the Canadian District Court ruled as family violence against the father for daring to refer to his female-born teenage child as his daughter, as a her, as a she. Family violence. And even though the parents objected, the girl was not only allowed to continue to receive testosterone treatments because her mind had been so twisted by this psychologist at school, but guess what? The family, Mr. and Mrs. Hoagland, are forced to pay for 
those hormone treatments because until the Canadian government considers those hormone testosterone injections to be necessary and required, the Canadian medical system, their form of Obamacare, will not pay for those hormone injections. And the father's absolutely right. When one day this girl realizes, oops, I effed up bad, I want to be a girl again, her body has been destroyed. She will never be able to bear children. She will always have to shave the whiskers from her face, and she will forever be a hairy man. And once she decides, oops, this was just a fad, I'm sorry I did this, she has no way of blaming mom and dad because he actually went to jail to keep his little girl as his little girl. Steve Z and the Truth Hurts Program. And that's going to put a cap on this morning's 30-minute edition of the Truth Hurts Program with Steve Z. Hey, folks, if you like what you hear, please tell a friend. Put it out there on social media. Let's get some more listeners to our program. Maybe we'll luck out and get syndicated and make the big time. I hope you all go out there and make it a great day and have a great weekend upcoming. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Truth Hurts program. Opinions expressed are protected free speech under the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. We apologize if you are offended, but we retract nothing. Background music by Jason Shaw and Audionautics. Copyright 2021, the Truth Hurts program network. All rights reserved.